Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. County Council accepted a report telling them local taxpayers are contributing up to 75% of the costs associated with housing programs. Ontario is the only province who has downloaded those costs. Some of the numbers are alarming. Rebecca Carmen, Housing Services Manager for Northumberland County, will explain what is going on and why. She will also outline the steps she and her fellow managers across Ontario are taking to lobby the government to change things. Once again, Rebecca Carmen, Housing Services Manager for Northumberland County, welcome to Consider This Northumberland. Thank you for having me, Rob. It's a pleasure to be back. County Council accepted a report from you recently called A Home for Everyone, How We Get There Together. Can you give a very broad introduction to what the report is trying to address locally? So this report was a report put together uh, through a technical table uh, representing uh, for our 47 service managers across the province. The intent of this report was to provide an alternate uh, viewpoint to the, the work that's being done to talk about how we can address the housing crisis across the province. We recognized when we started to get together to write this report in 2022 that a lot of the discussions around what municipalities can do to support the development of affordable housing was focused on the planning side of the work we do. And so this paper was try- was intended to create awareness and provide some recommendations of the work that is already ongoing um, that service managers are doing across the province in our role of building rental housing writ large. Okay, for people who may not be familiar with the term, what is a technical table? Sure. So the what the I'll have to back up a bit. The Housing Strategic Steering Committee. We are a group of senior housing leaders from across the province. We represent uh, the service manager voice. So there's 47 service managers across the province. We provide strategic advice and advocacy to the province from that service manager voice. And what the steering committee does is we create, we can also create technical tables. So when there's an issue that arises that needs attention, we can strike technical tables. So we uh, we did this. We created the municipal support of rental development technical table in 2022. And we had a survey that went out to all service managers. And we also had representation of about 14 different service managers on the technical table who supported the drafting, verified the recommendations, and you know just generally as helped that paper development. So it sounds like a fancy word for a committee. Yes. Before we got into this about uh, the perspective of service, housing service managers versus planners, Mm -hmm. can you distinguish for us 
what that difference is and why it's significant. Sure. So um, prior to the to early 2000s, housing was administered and funded directly by the provincial and federal governments. In the late 1990s to early 2000s, what, what happened was something we call the download. So these uh, services were downloaded to municipal levels. It's important to note that Ontario is the only province across the country that has downloaded these services to municipalities. Um, similar to other programs social services offers like Ontario Works, um, they created these 47 service manager bodies that were regional bodies that were intended to oversee systems plan from a local perspective. So service managers could be upper tier municipalities like the county, it could be single tier municipalities like the city of Kingston, or it could be a district social services administrative board, which are created in the north. So and they cover a much larger geography, um, but they also have that same role as administering those social services. All right. Social services, we often associate that with uh, employment support, uh, um, other kinds of programs to help people get jobs or people who are unemployed, that kind of thing. What are you talking about when you're talking about social services? So in our in our in our county, social services includes homelessness supports, Ontario Works, early years in childcare, and housing is all within the same department. All right, and your you as housing service manager, what are the things that follow directly under your umbrella? Then, what are you directly responsible for? Sure. So I'm directly responsible for the administration of um, cost shared affordable housing programs. So things like our renovates program, our home ownership support program, capital repairs for our nonprofits. Uh, we are I'm responsible for the oversight of our community housing sector. So we have nine nonprofit and co-ops and we provide direct subsidy to those providers on an annual basis. We ensure that their buildings are at a, a decent standard and we work to make sure they adhere to the Housing Services Act. Uh, I also am the general manager for the Northumberland County Housing Corporation. So I oversee the day-to-day -day operation of our local housing corporation. Right now we have 371 units. Uh, we keep growing. So I keep uh, making having to do math in my head to make sure I've got them all. Um, as well as supporting the affordable housing strategy implementation at the county level. So we have a capital incentive program to support the development of affordable housing, um, our constant look for land acquisition and our ongoing growth strategy. So those are the key things that I oversee in my portfolio. All right, thank you for getting our heads around what it is to be a housing service manager and why it's relevant to this discussion. Now, I'd like to go back to the report. Now in the report, sure. you mentioned that the Ontario is the only place in Canada where this funding for housing program is at the municipal level and not at the provincial level. And you mentioned that earlier. Why is that so significant in terms of how you do your job and what you're doing your job? Can you explain why that's so important and why it was mentioned in the report? Sure. So I think it's important when we're looking at a systems perspective of what we're going to do, what we can do to respond to the housing crisis. So we recognize that, you know, the housing crisis is large and requires substantial amounts of efforts by all part, all levels of gov government, including municipal, federal and provincial. 
However, when we look at the funding breakdown, what we see is that it is currently predominantly focused on levy funded uh, resources. And we recognize that this crisis will not be solved ex exclusively by a level of government that only gets eight cents of every tax dollar. I want to explore that really in some depth, because that, I think, was the most shocking thing that came out of the report. In Northumberland, three quarters of the 2023 annual operating budget for housing is paid through local taxes. Correct. Now, that sounds like a lot. Is it? For sure. It is. It is a lot. Um, what I will say is that this is we are not alone in this breakdown. This is across the province. And I think that's what the paper showed as well. So, for example, um, you know, what this means, too, is that the other thing I would say, especially on the operating budget, is that some of these these investments aren't choices that service managers are making. We are legislatively required to make these investments into the housing system. We are legislatively required to continue to subsidize rent geared to income households, which of course needs to happen. Um, however, again, recognizing what what tax source is paying for these investments is really critical. The provincial investment into housing is not mat doesn't match those those pieces. And so what we're really advocating for is all three levels of government to come together. And we always advocate for a third, a third, a third as service managers to say each level of government needs to be contributing into the housing system so that we can make sure that this is a system that will last us for generations to come. And that also we can grow in a way that meets the needs of our community. So rather than paying 75% from the local tax base, you're advocating for 30% and then the province and the federal government kick in the balance of 60%. Is that, am I understanding the math there correctly? That's the general principle uh, of what we're, we're looking for. What we what we would suggest is something that would make a lot of support and we could do a lot more with what we have. Um, one of the things we're doing again, as the housing strategic steering committee at that provincial level is we're wanting to make sure that the, the unique elements of the housing world are reflected in provincial dialogue and discussion. Um, so it's really important that the public begins to become aware of, of this reality. It's one of the main goals of the paper to recognize that outside of probably a, a smaller housing subset of the world, this isn't well known. This isn't understood to know how housing is currently funded and how we can, what we could do if we had more investments and how we, why we make decisions that we make is, you know, all of those pieces really do play into um, where the funding source comes from and how we can make, how we can cap, how we can make the best decisions that are reflective of taxpayer dollars. There may be some people listening who say, it sounds to me like a, a lot of cups and balls where, where you know, uh, there's that famous expression, you know, taxes come from one taxpayer, whether it's the left pocket or the right pocket. Why is it so important then that we shift some of this burden up to the provincial level to achieve what you say is more that we could get? Can you explain that a little more clearly? So for sure. So I think the first piece is recognizing that municipalities only get eight cents of every tax dollar. So that puts an extra burden on that. The other key piece is 
where the funding source is for those tax dollars. So provincial taxes are funded through income taxes. So it's about when we're talking about an income equality program, which is what we are talking about here, that potentially is the better fit for these types of programming rather than on the property taxes of homes that people may live in regardless of their income, what they're contributing. So I think a key piece is about where those tax dollars are uh, generated, sorry, where they're generated and what their funding, what their funding goes towards. So the province has more tools to get larger amounts of money that are more equitably distributed rather than locally where it all comes down on the on the property taxpayer correct and i think really it's about making sure that there is some more of that equitable distribution for the funding of of this important priority and this important these important programs okay if that did change did take place would we be able to do more with the money that we would receive like where do you see the advantage then if the, all of that came to about what would it mean to us locally then? What would I expect to happen that maybe isn't happening now? So for sure. So I think there's a couple of key things. Um, we also, we've also just recently completed our community housing master plan. And what that shows to us is that there is a, a significant underfunding of long-term capital needs across our community housing portfolio uh, in the earmark of $47 million over the next 10 years. So we're going to have to find ways to address that. Um, we, again, are not alone. This is a systems issue when you have buildings that are between 30 and 50 years old. Um, so funding would uh, enable us to be able to, to continue to create that standard level. The other thing that we would see is when we're building for capital for new builds, one of the things that we're really working on is limiting the impact long-term to the county levy as a result of capital builds. So what that means is that our builds will be uh, will become viable on their own. That's our goal and don't need long-term levy investments. So what that means for affordable housing is that we will likely be building mostly reasonable market rent and more in a, a lesser degree of affordable. So we might be at 80% of average market rent rather than deeply affordable rent geared to income units because we can't subsidize those long-term. So if we had some more funding distribution, we could build a higher number of deeply affordable units, supportive housing units, all of those things that meet a, a different need within the community, we'd be able to do, we'd be able to do more. It's not surprising that your group is one of how many other groups that are going to the province crying for money. How hard do you think the government is listening when you hold out your hat? It's hard, I think, to indicate what someone else is doing. We know that we've had some discussions. Um, these are long-term. Th these are long-term challenges. I mean, like I'd said, since the early 2000s that we have been raising uh, attention to. Um, so we are hopeful that some of these will get some traction. The report includes 31 recommendations, including some that are around program and process improvements um, that we're hoping would, you know, create some momentum. The way the paper was drafted was that 
it's not a, a all or nothing. If we could get some significant um, consideration of the various pieces, it would help. Anything would help make that um, that system work a little bit smoother. So I guess that would be my how I would envision that. Have you spoke to our local MPP, David Pacini, about this? Uh, I have not spoken to uh, David Pacini on this. No, we went through county council. And has county council sent him a letter or reached out to him to ask him to address it as a CAO, met with him and talked about this? Uh, in other words, has he responded locally to this local issue? Right now we are, because the paper was just received by county council uh, a week ago, we are now looking at how we will continue to implement this these advocacy points through our our established channels, through things like the Association of Municipalities of Ontario and others. So I would suggest that some of those pieces are likely to come as we continue to navigate the implementation of uh, the impact of this locally. As I mentioned in my introduction, you and I have spoken recently about supportive housing. Mm -hmm. And uh, there is a specific request in the report related to this. Can you share what that involves and why it would be significant locally? So I yeah. think what we when we talked about supportive housing, I think what we were looking for were things around ongoing operating funding um, and specific investments for that. So when we looked at those pieces, um, we are we are being called to make it to address the need for increased supportive housing. And what we are doing locally is we are looking at creative solutions like the 152 Coburn project in Campbellford, whereby we, we can leverage local community agencies who receive funding for those support services. We can provide that affordable housing, that reasonably priced housing to support their their desire and their their program mandates on supportive housing. When we look at, um, there was a previous program called Home for Good. Uh, we did not receive funding for that locally, but it did create, it provided capital funding as well as long-term operating funding specifically for supportive housing type programs. And that enabled where it was implemented, it did enable the ability for um, both the build and that long-term operating. And that long-term operating is really key. That's one of the things that we're really working towards at Northumberland, that that long-term operating of new developments, that we limit the impact to the tax levy as much as possible, recognizing that we need to, to kind of balance those needs for that housing along with what, uh, what taxpayers are able to afford. Um, so any money that we could get towards operating or capital would really support those, the ability to build that really specialized um, support services. We would also, you know, again, we want to see that that collaboration at the provincial level between the Ministry of Municipal Affairs and Housing and the Ministry of Health and Long-Term Care, that those health agencies that are experts in that field can continue to carry on in those program deliveries. We can provide housing where it makes sense. We can create those partnerships and we can continue to move forward. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking at doing and trying to find ways to replicate 152 Coburn and Campbellford uh, locally as well, where we can bridge those partnership gaps to work together towards addressing a very critical need in our community. 
I remember from our last conversation when we talked about supportive housing, one of the benefits of that was that it shifted the pressure on the homeless uh, system that, that deals with people who are are chronically homeless and uh, maybe facing mental health issues. It's it sort of gives those people a very solid place and and sort of moves them out of that stream of homelessness into a more permanent housing where they're getting support and 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 long term care. So that's another, I guess, uh, what I'm asking you is, is that another advantage to having that supportive housing being um, funded by the provincial government and incentivized to, to get more and more of it built locally? So I think, again, really the, the critical piece is that even in the download, right, like in the early 2000s, at that point, the province kept supportive housing under its portfolio. So supportive housing and those mental health supports or health supports or addiction supports or whatever that supportive piece looks like, those are all provincial jurisdictions. Um, and so when we're looking at what we can do as housing services in the county, we want to be there beside those groups and we want to support those groups. Because one of the things we hear is that a challenge can be finding a lot, not being able to find affordable housing for folks that they could support. So that's something we can work towards. We can help with that element. That's in our in our you know wheelhouse. Um, but we would continue to encourage that that supportive piece comes um, comes from those provincially mandated services. Who are the experts in that service delivery? I'd also just say that the paper too. We were very we were very intentional. We we did make a couple recommendations on supportive housing, as you've noted, but we were very careful in our intent to try to avoid going too far into homelessness or the supportive housing piece. We really wanted to stay in that housing, that rental housing development as a comment back towards, you know, the, the changes that are being made to generate housing in our, in our communities. But I, and I appreciate that very, very much. I guess the point I'm trying to get to is, is that at least when you and I are talking, we recognize and, and so should the listener that how intertwined all of these things are and that when you get more supportive housing, then what you're doing is you, you're also helping with the homeless issue. So that sure. I guess that's where I, I was I was hoping that we could sort of agree on that, that there is this ripple effect um, in the broader housing spectrum. Oh, for sure. There's a ripple effect across all of those pieces. I just, I think I just want to clarify that there's sure. probably a lot more things that we could have recommended in support of housing, but that we, we, we stayed away. I think the other ripple effect too, to just reference is the, the degree to which we put effort into housing retention and eviction prevention. So community housing is more and more becoming kind of like they call it like housing with supports, right? We're working diligently to keep people housed. Um, so that also has some really strong ripple effects throughout the system as well. When we are working really hard at keeping those vulnerable people housed in our, in our portfolio. One of the things that I saw in the report as well was a request to purchase rental stock and to produce more affordable rental options. I was curious as to the government's position on this, because the provincial government talks a lot about affordable housing units. So why, why are you so interested in rental units? Isn't that a provincial responsibility? Isn't that part of them looking after affordable housing and they should be you know, pushing developers to create rental units? So I think while the province does set some frameworks for affordable housing, I would 
I would say that I think at the local level is where a lot of those boots are on the ground to make those affordable housing units happen, uh, to make sure that where where developers are incentivized to create affordable housing units, it's the lo it's local governments who are ensuring that that does happen. That recommendation specifically was thinking around, you know, our housing stock across the province. We have such limited stock available as it as it were. And the idea in some of these recommendations is around some flexibility, some flexibility in programs that can be on demand versus, um, you know, as funding rolls out. And as a funder, I can recognize that that's a challenge. However, if there was a pot of money that we could access when there was a something that we could do to keep affordable housing in our communities, that would really be a benefit. For example, 123 King Street in Colburn would be an example of a privately owned rental building that went up for sale. The rents in that building were affordable and the county through its housing reserves purchased that property. Um, that we will we envision that this property after some you know some some repairs for for building some major health and safety and accessibility repairs we do believe this building will be self-sustaining so we needed the capital up front to buy it we had a housing reserve we've been saving for a long time and we were able to do that but that that was a one of those creative programs that we thought about that might be there may be other rental buildings across the province that we could keep affordable if we could support that purchase of it with that capital and that capital uh, contribution. I, I, I was just going to say there's also the um, seniors residence in Coburg that uh, recently has gone up for sale. And that would that be another example of if you had the funds, it might be a, a good unit to buy and, and, and renovate and turn into a affordable units. So, I mean, is that the kind of thing we're talking about? I think it's like, I don't know the specific property, so I can't comment on that, but I do think that's what we're talking about, right? In other communities, people have purchased motels like as, and and retrofitted, or yeah. they've purchased, um, you know, I, I think Lennox and Addington purchased a church and retrofitted it. With provincial money, we purchased 152 Coburn and retrofitted it, right? So yeah. with those monies available, we could do that. Part of the challenge when these fundings do come is that everything has to be shovel ready. So you have to be ready to start construction within 120 days of receiving the funding. So we're in many cases, we're working on projects to get them ready, to be shelf ready, to be, we've started calling it shovel ready, funding ready. But if we could have that funding a little bit, if we could lose some of that restriction for shovel ready, we all know construction takes a long time. It would allow us to plan and implement perhaps a little bit smoother as we navigate through the, you know, the momentum, if we knew funding was coming, if we knew all of those things were there, we would be able to navigate through those things. The report calls for more grants and loans from the federal and provincial governments. Now, most recently, we've watched as an apartment building was constructed in Coburg that ended up raising questions about a number of affordable units. The project received $15 million. Some might argue it did not meet the threshold locally for affordable housing. When taxpayers see this kind of activity, do they really want to give developers more money if it raises questions about its effectiveness in providing affordable rental units? So I think what I will say is that I think um, I think it's important to rec to to 
understand what funding stream developers might be applying to. So the development that you're talking about, they did meet all of the program funding definitions through that funding stream. It was rental construction financing. It's a much different funding program. Um, so I think that it's, it's just important to recognize that there are different definitions. We also know the in the current state of the rental market, increasing purpose-built rental units will support the, the general market across the board. So I think it's really important that when we, that A, we understand what the definition of affordable is because every program has a different definition, which adds to the confusion. Um, so I would just want to say that we need to reckon, we, I would recommend that we recognize that there are purposes and they those developers do have to meet requirements under those financing streams. Um, when we talk about loans and grants for the development of affordable housing, um, what we're really talking about is A, we would recommend that there are interest-free loans. We haven't had it happen yet in Northumberland, but we do know there are, we have fellow service managers who have had shovel-ready projects stay on the shelf because of the rising interest. And when we take out a debenture, we are taking a, a loan out from Infrastructure Ontario and we're paying it back with interest. And so are there creative opportunities to lower that interest, remove that interest in the name of affordable housing and recognizing what we can build? The other thing is that we would call on more grant funding. We really need that grant funding to make projects viable, particularly as I had said, in the rising interest rates, the cost of construction. So really rethinking what, how we navigate those constructions and loans, what they look like, what they can support and how we can move them forward. If we're going to be giving these breaks and and helping developers, you know how how stringent is it going to be? So to ensure, I guess as taxpayers are listening, how much guarantee are we going to get that on a local level we're going to get the affordable units that are promised and that we're going to see um, that that the, they're going to follow through. Sure. So what I can I can speak only to what the county does and how the county navigates these things. Um, the county has experience in in flowing money through the provincial and federal government to private developers to create affordable housing. We monitor those program those projects uh, yearly to ensure that their affordability still meets the definition of both the program the program criteria, and often those program those those developments have an affordable affordability period of 20 to 25 years. Um, we also register a mortgage on title. So what that means is that if that proponent were to sell or to try to divest of it, they would have to first deal with our affordability mortgage. And if they defaulted on our affordability or other requirements, we would have some options to take. We are considering the same for our capital grant program that's rolling out. We will do the same. We will require that it's affordable for 20 to 25 years. We also require that at least half of those units, we have the option to provide a rent subsidy for um, someone on our wait list to access those units. So, I mean, I think we have some experience in navigating that that piece and we're that's how we will manage it from a county perspective going forward. The report talks about education and awareness. Mm -hmm. What needs to be done to make people more aware of what's going on? 
so I think, you know, the opportunities to come and talk to you today, Rob, going to council, trying to raise that awareness, those were some of the, those are some of the actions. We also have talked about things around uh, consultation. So recognizing that service managers provide the bulk of housing funding. Right now, we know the province and federal government have conversations with each other. We would like to be included in those conversations. We are an active funder. We are an active partner. We are. We need that meaningful consultation. We also reference um, things around the funding announcements and press releases so that when we are doing funding announcements and press releases, that there is some acknowledgement of the role of the service manager and what they're funding. What we often see is around the provincial and federal investment. And we would like to be acknowledged that in order to make these projects viable, it also required our funding and our support. And then that might help create that, that more holistic view and recognition of all the partners at the table. You know, the county is looking at how we can raise that awareness ourselves, um, but we would also call on our provincial and federal partners to also recognize the, the role we have in funding of housing. Council accepted this report for informational purposes. What is next to ensure that this report just doesn't gather dust on a shelf? What are the concrete steps that council needs to make? So I think the, we will use this report there. So there's two, I think, pieces. There's one from a local perspective and one from more of that provincial, you know, strategic committee perspective. Um, and what we will be doing is we will be working from a provincial level with advocacy organizations to find ways to incorporate these recommendations into their positions on housing when they're advocating to the province. We will we locally will also use this paper as we work on our housing advocacy to our local MPPs, to our local MP, as we continue to have discussions on, on housing and moving things forward. Um, and we will continue to raise awareness around the the reality of housing and where it's funded through, um, through uh, information campaigns, you know, maybe some new signage, things like that as we, as we move forward with telling our story um, in moving forward. Rebecca Carmen, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you very much, Rob. That was Rebecca Carmen, Housing Services Manager for Northumberland County. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me. And I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in. And I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. 
And again, thank you for listening and stay tuned for more from Consider This.